Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. created us for intimacy with himself, but we struggle in our movement towards that intimacy, longing for something more. This is The Soul Struggle with Janet Gosman, helping you identify the struggle, what brought you there, and how to move through it towards the intimacy with God our soul longs for. God longs for intimacy with you and me. And he will bring something into our life to cause us to struggle in our relationship with him. His purpose is for us to resolve those soul struggles in order that we may find our life in him. Today, we're going to talk again about the soul struggle of trust. However, we're going to talk about trust in relationship to anger. Let me begin by stating that because of the brief time I have today, I will in no way be able to cover all that should be shared regarding anger and trust. I am simply giving you an overview and some helps. Let me begin with a story. This may be an old, familiar one to you. It comes from a, with a southern accent, which I am not going to try to imitate. Also, I will give you a brief version. This is the Uncle Remus story about Br'er Rabbit. Now, Br'er Fox and Br'er Rabbit were enemies, and Br'er Fox was constantly on the lookout for ways to trap Br'er Rabbit in order to enjoy a good meal of him. You see, Br'er Rabbit was quite a friendly fellow and always greeted those he happened to pass on the road with a howdy-do, and of course, they would respond with the same. So, Br'er Fox decided to use Br'er Rabbit's friendliness to trap him. Br'er Fox came up with a sure-fire scheme by creating a little creature out of tar. He set this tar baby on a log by the side of the road while he and Br'er Bear hid in the bushes nearby to watch the fun. Sure enough, as Br'er Rabbit passed by, he shouted out to that tar baby, Howdy-do! But the tar baby says nothing. With that, Br'er Rabbit stops right there in the road and says louder, What's the matter with you? I said, howdy-do. Is you deaf? If you is, I can holler louder. But the tar baby, he says nothing. Then Br'er Rabbit hollered at the tar baby even louder. Ain't you going to say howdy like respectable folks say when they meet up with you on the road? But the tar baby, he says nothing. Now Br'er Rabbit is sort of mad. He clenches his fist and he walks right up close to the tar baby. If you don't say howdy by the time I count three, I'm going to blip you in the nose. Well, Br'er Rabbit starts counting. One, two, but the tar baby says nothing. 
three, yells Br'er Rabbit. Now he's mighty mad, and he draws back his fist, and he hits the tar baby smack in the nose. But Br'er Rabbit's fist stuck into the tar. He can't pull it loose. But the tar baby says nothing. Let go of my fist, he hollers. And with that, he draws back his other fist and smacks the tar baby in the face. But this fist also sticks in the tar. He can't pull it loose. But the tar baby says nothing. Br'er Rabbit ends up with both hind feet and even his head stuck in that tar. He pushes and he pulls, but the more he tries to get unstuck, the more stuck he got. Now Br'er Fox and Br'er Bear come out of the bushes and they feel mighty good. They dance round and round because Br'er Rabbit has been captured. Now you'll have to look up the rest of the story because this is where I want to state my point. We respond to this story with, what a stupid rabbit. My question is, what did Br'er Rabbit want? Just a simple howdy-do. But somehow that lack of acknowledgement of his presence brought about his anger, and the next thing you know, he is captive because of that anger. Yet how many of us have had feelings of anger due to that very issue of being unacknowledged? We feel unseen and unheard. Sometimes we even feel invisible. Our feelings, our ideas, values, and maybe even our beliefs are ignored, dismissed, or discounted. You know the feelings. Soon those feelings are being, of being devalued turn to anger. Please understand, being known, seen, and heard is a basic human need. But do, what do we do when that doesn't happen? Hopefully, your anger is not expressed with violence, as was Br'er Rabbit's. But there are other methods, such as screaming, yelling, slamming doors, or the silent treatment. Or maybe you've just decided to be nice anyway and ignore it, or you're afraid to speak up because of fear that you will lose the relationship. Then, <clears throat> there are other symptoms of anger such that, that remain hidden and still lurk in secret places such as being chronically late, whining, stewing, being critical or cynical, envious, gossiping, or engaging in hurtful humor, sarcasm, or caustic comments, even developing a martyr complex. Now, if you exhibit any of these symptoms, you probably are harboring anger. So what is anger? Anger is an emotion and emotions are neutral. They are neither good nor bad. Your feelings are like lights on the dashboard of your car. They tell you something is going on beneath the surface. And so your feelings tell you something is going on inside. So anger in itself is neither right nor wrong. It is what we do with this emotion that determines whether it is appropriate, inappropriate, constructive, or destructive. God gave us our emotions. They help us navigate life. They make us aware of what's happening, and then we must choose how to act on them appropriately. So what is the cause of anger? Well, when we feel devalued and our ideas, wishes, and beliefs are discounted or even ridiculed, or when people take advantage, when we feel we've been walked on or controlled or aggressed upon, it may be, in these above instances, you may need to take responsibility and take some appropriate boundaries. 
If this is the case, I would recommend the book Boundaries by Drs. Henry Cloud and John Townsend. However, other causes of anger are when someone has brought deep pain and hurt, perhaps physical, mental, or sexual abuse. There may be deep disappointment that has turned to anger from broken promises, lies, deception, or even lies told about you, betrayal, and abandonment. Anger is the result of a blocked goal. In each of the violations above, there was a blocked goal, whether it was that someone or something is keeping you from happiness, from success, or simply completing a task, even the goal of maintaining a good reputation, which can be especially devastating. Since anger seems to be our natural response to injustice, how do we not act out of anger? And if we're already in this captive state of anger, how do we get out? In the midst of difficulty, even seemingly unbearable difficult circumstances, how do we go to trusting God? The Bible talks about a character that suffered great injustice, not once but several times under different circumstances and with different people, yet it appears he never went to anger. This is the story of Joseph. Now, this is a condensed version due to my limited time. However, please read in your Bible in the book of Genesis, beginning at chapter 35, for the intriguing story of Joseph with its many twists and turns. Now, Joseph was the favorite of his father, Jacob. This favoritism created jealousy among his siblings. One night, God gave Joseph two dreams, the interpretive of which is that his family would one day bow down to him. The result is that the brothers are now not only jealous but angry that this little brother should even consider this a possibility that they would ever bow down to him. Because of the half-brother's jealousy and anger and even hatred, the perfect occasion presents itself and they sell Joseph to Midianite traders. Following that, Joseph is then sold as a slave to Potiphar in Egypt. However, he does his work in this position of slavery as unto the Lord, and the Lord blesses him. Potiphar elevates him to overseer of his household. Later, Potiphar's wife tries to seduce Joseph, and his response is, I will not sin against my God and he flees from her presence. However, she grabs his coat and presents it to her husband as she lies about Joseph and says that he tried to seduce her. Potiphar believes his wife and puts Joseph in prison. Now things have gone from bad to worse for Joseph, and he was serving and obeying God. What is he to do? What does he do in this horrible, disease-ridden, filthy place of a prison? He serves. He cares for the sick and eventually is made overseer of the prison. Ultimately, due to God's hand on Joseph's life, Joseph is elevated to second highest in command only under Pharaoh following his release from prison. Egypt comes into a famine. 
for which Joseph has prepared Egypt by storing grain for the previous seven years. Now the brothers are experiencing this famine and they become hungry. And they hear that there is grain in Egypt. So guess what? They go to Egypt to get food and who do they meet? Joseph. But they do not recognize him. After all, Joseph is now 30 years old and he was only 17 when they sold him. But Joseph recognizes them. He interrogates them through an interpreter regarding their family and their father. Then Joseph accuses them of being spies. The brothers become very frightened and say to each other, We are guilty concerning our brother Joseph, and now this evil has befallen us. You see, God was working in the conscience of the brothers. As the story progresses, Joseph sends them home with grain and their money. He tells them, you won't see my face again unless you bring your younger brother, Benjamin. You see, Benjamin is now the father's favorite. But eventually, they get very hungry, and after much debate with Jacob, they return with Benjamin. When they arrive, they bow down to Joseph in fulfillment of the dream. But Joseph invites them to his home for dinner. They are really afraid now. And Joseph has them seated by age. How does he know this? Following dinner, he sends them on their way, but not without setting a trap for them in order to determine where their hearts really are. He arrests them, and they return back to Joseph. Again, they bow to Joseph, and Judah takes responsibility and offers himself for the protection of Benjamin. Joseph now has the evidence that his brothers have had a heart change. There is no jealousy. Joseph weeps and exclaims to them, I am Joseph, who you sent into Egypt, but be not afraid. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to save many people alive. So let's take a closer look at Joseph and how it relates to anger and trust. First, did Joseph ruminate or rehearse the events initiated by his brothers? Evidently not, because we see no evidence of depression, anger, or bitterness, which are often the results as a consequence of ruminating and rehearsing negative events. So what do you do? Do you rehearse and ruminate the events that are negative in your life? Is your self-talk dominated by that person or circumstance? What we think about will determine how we feel and then reveal itself in our attitudes, behaviors, and actions. Those negative thoughts become strongholds. 2 Corinthians 10, 4-5 tells us that we are to demolish strongholds and take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. What is it that we want? Do we want significance? Then where do we get it? We must get it from God and believe what he says about us. Read Psalm 139 and write down what God is saying about you and him. Then replace those thoughts with God's word. Believe it. Assimilate it into your life. 
Philippians 4, 8 and 9, says that we are to put into our minds and think about such things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. Second, Joseph trusted God and believed God would fulfill his promise. Joseph must have made this commitment to God early. I doubt he waited until the circumstances arose to decide if he would obey God. This is evidenced by his response to Pharaoh's wife, I will not sin against my God. This wasn't just about morality. This was about his commitment to God. He believed the dream that he had as a young person and held on to the truth. And this truth of God's word kept him from anger, and he also trusted that God was going to make all things right. And then third, he served. It was out of this trust in God and that God was working in the circumstances of his life and would ultimately bring about justice and work out Joseph's good that he could serve as unto the Lord. He served under Potiphar in such a way that he was raised to be overseer of all that Potiphar owned. He served even in prison, again, another circumstance done to him that was evil. Yet he turned his attention to the suffering around him. He did not moan and groan about his dreadful circumstances, but instead looked to God and God's ultimate vindication. We see that everything he did, even in that foreign land, he did as unto the Lord. No one that knew him before was watching. He had no father reminding him how to live good. But he had given himself to God and lived his life before God. Even in that prison, instead of finding a little corner and sitting there rehearsing his misfortunes and his hurts, he got up and served the ill. God was his audience of one and that was good enough. He served. So much so that the head of the prison put Joseph in charge. They knew what kind of person he was, kind, not bitter, caring, and not vengeful. Ultimately, God lifted Joseph up out of that prison to the highest-ranking official under Pharaoh. God had an ultimate purpose. This is the only way Joseph could have walked through the hurt of hate, the pain of abandonment, the humility of slavery, and then the agony of lies and betrayal. It was his complete trust in God and God's fulfillment of the dream and God's justice concerning his circumstances. He said to his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So how do we resolve that anger that resides within us. First, we recognize our feelings of anger and we identify where they are coming from. Identify what is the source of your anger. Next, we pray. Ask God for guidance, wisdom, and understanding. Our ultimate desire is to handle each circumstance in a way that is most pleasing to God. Determine how you're going to handle this. Have a course of action. First, do you need to confront? By this I mean, do you need to talk it over with the person, inform them of the event and how it affected you? Try to work things out, seek understanding and reconciliation. 
Next, ultimately, you must forgive and trust because God has promised to make all things right. Forgiveness may not mean restored relationship. Jesus forgave those who killed him, but he did not pursue relationship with them when he resurrected. Restoration means there must be true repentance on the part of the other. Determine not to ruminate or rehearse the negative, hurtful events or circumstances. Then remember, God wants to use the wrongs committed against you for your ultimate good. He has given us promises just as Joseph was given a dream. We have the word of God wherein he promises that he will make everything right. Do we believe Romans 8, 28, and 29? Then forgiveness. Why is this so hard? Because there is an overwhelming feeling that the offender does not deserve forgiveness. The offense was grievous and the anger is justifiable. It seems that if the crime is just dropped and we let it go, that greater injustice would be committed. What we want is justice, and we really don't want to wait for God. Therefore, we desire revenge, which will ultimately lead to bitterness. Forgiveness means I give up the right to pay back. I give up the desire for revenge. God's justice is promised in order to keep us from being overcome with a spirit of revenge and bitterness. Romans 12:19 states, "Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay," says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. We will all stand before God and give an account. He is the righteous judge, and he will correct all wrongs. Will you trust him, or will you hold on to your grievance? Then give the events to the Lord and trust that he is working in them all, and trust the outcome to God. Yes, there is a way to get free. Not only free, but life abundant, and it is the life of forgiveness and trust. Memorize scripture. There are many scriptures that relate to anger. Many of them are getting rid of anger. God commands us to do this in Colossians 3.8, in Ephesians 4.31 and 32, in Matthew 5.21 and 22, in Psalm 4.4, and in Ephesians 4.26. He tells us to get rid of all bitterness, to get rid of rage and anger. I would suggest that if you're struggling with anger and you really want to get rid of it, that you write down on pieces of paper each offense that has committed against you. These are offenses that you have not let go of. 
you have not forgiven and given to God. And so write these down on a piece of paper, put these pieces in a pan, and light a match and set them on fire. Burn them up. Offer them up as a sacrifice to God. Sacrifice your right for justice and trust each one of these events to God's justice. Jesus tells us we will be forgiven as we forgive. You see, the gospel is about forgiveness. The good news is all about forgiveness and reconciliation. The good news is that he has forgiven us of all of our sin. Jesus said that with the forgiveness with which we forgive others, so in the same way we will be forgiven. These are serious words. We have sinned against him. And what did he do? He took our sin on himself. We do not have to pay for our own sin. That's the good news, that Jesus died while we were yet sinning against him. He died for us. When we were living our own way in selfishness with life revolving around us, doing what we wanted, fulfilling our desires and passions, yet while we were in this state that was opposed to God, Christ died for us. He did not keep counting our sins against us but died on the cross for those sins, and his forgiveness is already available. It just waits for our acceptance and repentance. So what if we decide that we cannot forgive? If we decide we cannot forgive, we will move toward bitterness. Bitterness in the heart is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Bitterness can cause you to dismiss and not even be aware of the goodness of others and even skeptical of God's goodness toward you. Let me quote Chuck Swindoll in his book, Killing Giants, Pulling Thorns. You cannot nurture the bitterness plant and at the same time keep it concealed. The bitter root bears bitter fruit. You may think you can hide it, live with it, grin and bear it, but you cannot. The poison seedling will find insidious ways to cut into others. Ironically, the one who suffers most is the one who lashes out at those around him. He becomes the victim of the giant he refused to slay. So are you going to trust the Lord? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. The choice is yours. Will you believe that God has a good purpose in the circumstances of your life? Or you will you hold on to those grievances against others? Will you do what God commands you to do and get rid of the anger and take those circumstances and people to God, pray for them and trust them with God? Only then can you experience the peace of God. Mm -hmm.
Thank you for listening to The Soul Struggle with Janet Gosman. Janet is an international speaker and biblical counselor in the Portland metro area, specializing in depression, anxiety, and abuse issues. To contact Janet, call 503-658-6639. That's 503-658-6639. Visit her website for more information and resources at soulstruggle.com. Soulstruggle.com. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.